And I love that old-fashioned singing. And the Lord is good, and I'm glad to be here tonight. And what a wonderful message by Brother Joe, and I appreciate Brother Joe having me, and Brother Joe's glad to be here. Any old Joe will do, praise the Lord. Good to be back in Wilson, North Carolina. I'd been in town about 10 minutes and we all got Parkerized, amen. I got enough vinegar in me to be embalmed, amen. But the Lord is good. The Gospel of Mark tonight, chapter number five, Mark chapter number five. I do thank you, Pastor, for another kind and gracious invitation. And I'm glad you see you tonight. Good to see the preachers out of here. And the Lord is good. And I'm gonna preach a little bit. Let these boys come back and sing one or two more. How you like my little bass singer? Ain't he something? And a uh, little skinny fella. And uh, he, he, if he smokes two or three more cartons of Winston's, he'll have it down real good, amen. <laughs> and I uh, love Austin, love Luke. And I'll tell you, the Lord is good, God is good. And I'm gonna tell you something, my brother, I love you and your mom and your family. And we got friends down here and praise God, we're gonna have friends up there. And the Lord is good. Turn to somebody beside of you and say, hey, you look better with your mask on, amen. <laughs> Mark's gospel, chapter number five. And we'll begin reading in verse number 22. Mark chapter five and verse number 22. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly saying, my little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee come and lay thy hands on her that she may be healed. And say this last loud out loud with me and she shall live. Verse 24, and Jesus went with him. And much people followed him and thronged him. Now we'll leave off the narrative in verse 24 and let's pick it back up again in verse number 35. But before we read verse 35, here's what happens in the midst of these verses. That's when that little woman that has that issue of blood presses through that crowd and touches Jesus and Jesus touches her. There's a couple of things about that that thrill my soul. Number one, you can't get lost in a crowd. It don't matter how many people are trying to get to the Lord, you can't get lost in a crowd. He can save 10,000 at a time and save them one at a time. He's a personal savior. There's something else about that I like. There's no boundaries and borders and limits to what God can do. Every time I read that, I'm reminded of the great song, it is no secret what God can do. For what is done for others, he can do for you. We pick up the reading now in verse number 35, and while he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, thy daughter is dead, and while troublest thou the master any further. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said from the ruler of the synagogue, say this with me, be not afraid, only believe. Let's say that again, be not afraid, only believe. Come down if you will tonight to verse number 42 and watch happens in the text. 
And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of 12 years. And they were astonished with a great astonishment. That means they looked at each other and said, wow. And aren't you glad tonight that God is in the wow business? Because I'm glad tonight that he is able to do exceeding, abundant, above all that we ask or think. The text before us tonight, I believe, is one of the most vivid, beautiful, clear pictures of intercessory prayer that you'll find in all of the Bible. I believe tonight the old preacher Paul said to the young preacher Timothy, he said, I would that prayers and supplication and thanksgiving and intercession be made for all of the saints. And I believe tonight the most important praying that we will ever do, the most needed praying that we'll ever do, and yes, the most rewarded praying that we will ever do are the prayers that we pray on behalf of others. Thank God tonight for the doctrine of intercessory prayer in the Bible. Let me say it like this tonight. If there is somebody in your life that loves you enough to pray for you, then you are a blessed individual. Can I say that again? If there's somebody in your life that loves you enough to pray for you, then you are a blessed individual. In fact, most of us are in this room tonight as a result of somebody's prayer life. Aren't you glad one day that somebody touched heaven? Aren't you glad one day that somebody touched God? Aren't you glad one day somebody got a hold of God and God got a hold of you? And aren't you glad the God we serve tonight is a God we can get a hold of? I'm glad tonight he is the alive God. I'm glad he is the able God. I'm glad he is the amazing God. I'm glad he is the awesome God. But I'm glad tonight that he is the accessible and the available God. We have not a great high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. I believe tonight that nations have been changed because somebody got a hold of God. I believe tonight that churches have experienced revival because somebody got a hold of God. I believe tonight that sick bodies got healed because somebody got a hold of God. I believe tonight that drunk daddies got to be sober daddies because somebody got a hold of God. I believe tonight that mean mamas got to be blessed mamas because somebody got a hold of God. I believe tonight that families have been put back together and wayward sons and daughters have found their way back to God because somebody got a hold of God. I'm glad tonight that Abraham got a hold of God for his nephew Lot. 
I'm glad tonight that Moses got a hold of God for the children of Israel. I'm glad tonight that Peter and James and John and Paul got a hold of God for the early and the infant church. And I do know this one day, Jesus got a hold of God for all of us because there is one mediator between God and man and that is the man, Christ Jesus. I believe tonight the greatest thing that somebody could do for you is to pray for you. I believe the greatest thing you can do for somebody else is to pray for them. And aren't you glad tonight that God is available and he hears and he answers our prayer and we can go get God and we can get a hold of God and we can touch God and God can get a hold of somebody else and work in their life because somebody got a hold of God for us. And that's what you have in this text. Here is a daddy with the need he cannot meet. But he goes and gets Jesus. And Jesus comes back home. And Jesus does for this daddy what the daddy couldn't do for himself. And I want to preach tonight on this thought. Somebody go get God. Somebody go get God. Three things in the text tonight about intercessory prayer. Number one in the scripture, I want you to see the mandate that drove this man to Jesus. The mandate that drove this man to Jesus. You say, now preacher, why would you use such a strong word, mandate? Well, let me say it like this. What would cause this grown man to go all the way across town and bow down at the feet of Jesus and beg him like a little child to come and touch his little girl? Well, I'll tell you what made him do it. He is a daddy with a daughter. He is a daddy with a daughter. And if you don't get that point, then you are not a daddy with a daughter. Because a daddy with a daughter is a manipulated individual. In fact, a daddy with a daughter is a whooped individual. In fact, a daddy with a daughter is an intimidated individual. I'm telling you, there's something about them daddies and them daughters. A daddy with a daughter would go places he said he would never go. He would buy things he said he would never buy. He would do things he said he would never do. All because that daughter looked up at him with that manipulating look she got from her mother <laughs> and said, oh, daddy, oh, daddy, please, daddy. I wonder if there's a dad with a daughter in this room tonight. I feel your pain. I've walked into your shoes. I mean, I made my brags all over this country how I hated cats. And the best cat was a dead cat. And that would never be, never be any cats in my house. And one day that little blonde-headed, blue-eyed daughter said, Daddy, oh, please, can we have a cat? Well, guess who got a cat? But then I put my foot down. I said, now that thing's a stinking animal and it's gonna stay outside. It's not coming into this house. And one night, 
the lightning flashed, the thunder rolled, the rain descended, and the wind blew. And she looked up at me with that bottom lip and said, oh, daddy, flee, flee, is out in the storm. Can she please come on the inside? Well, guess who came on the inside? Guess who jumped up to bed with me at four o'clock in the morning? That little cat. Then I told her this when I got it. I said, now listen, it's an animal. And I'm gonna tell you, if it gets sick, it's gonna die. I'm not gonna take my hard-earned money and go to no stinking vet. If it gets sick, it's dead. Oh, one Monday morning before I went to the airport, I, I had to do my hospital visiting uh, pre-corona. And uh, I, I didn't know that during the night that Flea Flea had climbed up uh, into the motor of my car. And so when I cranked it up, beep, I mean, fur flies everywhere. Man, I raised the hood and there it lays across the engine. You say, what did you do? Man, I called 911. <laughs> I grabbed that cat up, I wrapped it up in a towel, I put it in the car, I put on my emergency flashers, and I run over blind people, crippled people, old people. Man, I swung into the vet parking lot on two wheels, I jumped out, man, I took that cat, laid it up there, and I got out my credit cards and said, if that little cat's got nine lives, I wanna buy four of them before I leave out of here. I did all of that cause that little daughter had crawled up in my heart and found a lodging place. There's not a normal father in this room tonight that wouldn't give your best, your life, your all for that little girl. You come to this text tonight and here's a daddy with a daughter. They're not having a sweet 16 party. They're not having a birthday party. They're not having a graduation party. No, they're having a death watch. The King James has an interesting statement in our text. It says that this little girl lieth at the point of death, the point of death. That means her next breath may be her last. That means the next time her heart pulsates blood through her body, it might be her last. It means the next second that ticks off of the clock may be her last. And here is a daddy with this little girl fastly slipping out into eternity. And you gotta realize tonight that who this daddy is. The Bible said in our text tonight, it's Jarius the ruler of the synagogue. Now that little phrase tells me three things. Number one, he was a man of authority. He was a man of power. The Bible said he was a ruler of the synagogue. In other words, this man tells other men what to do and they have to obey his command. But yet here's this daddy who's got power and authority to command other men and they have to obey. But yet he does not have enough power or authority to command the disease to leave the body of that little girl. 
for the first time in his life, he has come against something bigger than him. For the first time in his life, he has come against something that he is in over his head. His authority is not enough. His position is not enough. And his power is not enough. He is powerless on his own to meet the need of that little girl. It tells me something else. He is Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue. He is a religious man. He is a moral man. I don't believe that Jairus was a drunk. I don't believe he was a fornicator. I don't believe he was a reviler, a cusser, a liar, a thief, or a cheat. He was the ruler of the synagogue. He was a good, moral, upstanding man. But you know what Jairus realizes in this text? That being moral, being good, being religious does not exempt nor isolate any of us from the storms and the troubles and the trials of life. I want to tell you tonight one of the greatest lies that's ever been perpetrated on the body of Christ is this, that if you're saved and in the will of God, you'll never be sick, you'll never have problems, you'll never have storms in your life, you'll always be happy and you'll always have plenty of money. I'm day something, brother. The Bible I read does not teach that. Jairus is a good man. He's a religious man. He's a moral man. But he found out that bad things happen to good people. Someone said, well, Brother Joe, if that's the truth, then why do I want to serve the Lord? I mean, if I serve God, worship God, live for God, and I still have problems, why do I want to serve God and worship God? You got questions? I got answers. I'll tell you why. You got somebody to lean on. You've got somebody to run to. You've got somebody to hold on to until the storm passes by. I know that being saved and being right with God won't exempt me from the storm, but I'm glad to report to you tonight that he is my hope and he is my anchor and I'm steadfast and sure and even in the midst of trouble, God is still good. He is a man of power. He's a man of authority. He's a man of religious morals. He's a good man. It tells me something else. Look in the text. He's a daddy with a daughter. He has a house. He has some land. He has a wife. That's one word, money. It takes money to buy land. It takes money to have a house. And if you put a wife in that house, and a daughter in that house, somebody better have a job. Let me tell you young fellas in the courting world, the greatest way to get your girlfriend's mother and father to like you, get a job. He has enough money to have a wife. He has enough money to have a daughter. He has enough money to have land and a home, but yet, preacher, he doesn't have enough money to buy that girl's health. He doesn't have enough money to buy her healing. He doesn't have enough money to buy her one well second. Here is a man that is in over his head. His power's not enough. His authority's not enough. His position is not enough. His morals are not enough. His religion is not enough. His goodness is not enough. His devotion is not enough. His means, his money, his assets are not enough. 
here is a man that is totally helpless. Oh, but as Paul Harvey says, page two, here's the rest of the story. I see that dad as he looks into the eyes of that little girl. They're about to set. She's about to cross over into eternity. And I believe he leans over. And he said something like this, sweetheart, daddy don't have the power to heal you. Daddy doesn't have the means to heal you. Daddy doesn't have the money to heal you. Daddy's not good enough to heal you. But hang on, baby. I've heard about another daddy. I've heard about another father. I've heard about another healer who has more power than me, who has more goodness than me, who has more money than me. And he said, honey, hold on. I'm going to get somebody who can do what daddy cannot do. Lord, I've come to tell somebody tonight, you may be facing a mountain in your life. You may be facing an extremity in your life. All hell may be breaking loose in your life and you've realized your power's not enough and your goodness is not enough and your money's not enough. May I tell you there is one tonight that is accessible at the right hand of God the Father called our great high priest. All power in heaven and earth is given unto him. He owns a count of a thousand hills and he can do what we cannot do. Somebody, go get somebody who's bigger than us and who can do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. The mandate that drove this man to Jesus, number two, I want you to see tonight the mission that directed this man to Jesus. And you talk about a man on a mission. It's this man by the name of Jairus. Number one, I want you to think about this tonight. Do you realize how much faith and courage it took for him to leave that little girl, admit he's whooped, turn his back, and walk in the other direction. You say, but I don't think that's hard. Then you're not a real man. Because you know what a real man says? I can handle it. I'm not whooped. I'll think of something. If you don't believe me, go back to last Christmas. Your wife ordered these things for the kids. And Amazon didn't tell you it comes in a trillion pieces. So you put the kids to bed and you say, okay, Henry, put it together. And if Henry is a real redneck man, all he needs is some pliers and a screwdriver and a roll of duct tape and he can get her done. <laughs> you whip out the instructions and you say, oh Henry, would you like for me to read the instructions? And a real man says, don't read me those instructions. You turn that box, let me look at that picture. I'll get it together. Me and my duct tape, I build the Empire State Building. It's nine o'clock. It's still not put together. It's 10 o'clock and it's not put together. It's 11 o'clock and more the little lady is pacing the floor with them instructions, saying things that should not be uttered by a Christian. 
having thoughts, Lord have mercy, that would bar the door to the pit. Can I get an amen? It's 11.55. Rudolph is dancing on the roof. I mean, it's about to happen. And all of a sudden he says, you know what? They don't make these bolts and screws like they used to and somebody left out pieces and this picture's not right. Honey, read the instructions. And she likes a real Christian in a monotone voice with a sweet smile upon her face begins to read the instructions. And finally when Henry, if you're here tonight and your name's Henry, God bless you. And finally when Henry reads the instructions, come on girls, and listens to his wife, repeat after me, read the instructions and listens to, boy, that's hard to do, I know it. Listen to his wife, finally we get it done. Hey, by the way tonight, you know what daddies are for? To solve problems for little girls. It took a lot of courage for him to say, I can't do this. I can't do this. My money's not enough. My power's not enough. My goodness is not enough. I can't do this. But I'm going to swallow my pride. I'm going to admit I can't. Because when I swallow my pride and admit I can't, that's when God kicks in and says, I can Sonny walks out of that house in the opposite direction. I see him as he walks down that cobblestone sidewalk and I see somebody say, Jarius, where you going? Where you going, Jarius? Are you going for the doctor? No, I'm going for the great physician. Jarius, are you going for the prophet? No, I'm going for the message of the prophet. Jarius, are you going for the priest? No, I'm going for the great high priest. Jarius, where you going? Where you going? Are you going for the lawyer? No, I'm going for the lawgiver. Are you going for the physician? No, I'm going for the great physician. I'm going for God. I'm going for sovereignty. I'm going for omnipotence. I'm going for deity. I'm going for unlimited. I'm going for somebody who doesn't need my power. They don't need my money. They don't need my goodness. I'm going to go get somebody that knows. I felt like preaching right here. I'm going to go get somebody that knows no boundaries and borders and limits. May we tonight go get a God who's got power and authority and means who can do what no other can do. You know what I love about Jairus? You know what I love about Jairus? He knew who to go to. You know what I like about Jairus? He knew how to talk to him when he got there. Because Jairus found Jesus And the Bible said he fell at his feet. He didn't get up in his face. He fell at his feet. The King James said, and besought him greatly. That little word beseech means to employ. It means to beg. Listen to this. It means to pull on one's heartstrings till you get a reaction. 
Lord, you remember that verse in Romans 12 when God is calling you and I to live the dedicated life. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, God's pulling on our heartstrings because if God ever gets our heart, he gets everything that goes with it. And Jairus said, Lord, I'm reaching up to pull upon your heartstring. I'm not commanding, I'm begging. I'm not giving orders, I'm taking orders. I'm not the master, I'm just a disciple. God, I'm begging, I beseech, I employ, please. And when I read what he said, I almost knocked the back end of my choir robe out. Notice what he said in the text. He said, if you will come, Jesus, I beg you, if you will come and lay thy hands on her. Lord, have mercy, there was something about the hands of Jesus that had birthed faith in that old boy's heart. What about the hands of Jesus could have birthed such faith? Well, he's a ruler of the synagogue. He knows the Old Testament like the back of his hand. And he's read about them hands, well, glory. He's read about with that hand. He scooped out the oceans and heaped up the mountains and traced down the rivers and hung the world and the moon and the stars. He has read about that hand that separated the waters of the Red Sea, that lowered the mountains, that exalted the valley. Oh, he had read about that hand that shielded Moses from the cliff of the rock and made the sun stand still and smashed the walls of Jericho and hid Moses in the cliff of the rock. The hands that led, the hands that fed, the guiding hand, the helping hand, the mighty hand, the sovereign hand, the eternal hand, the wonderful hand, them same hands that would be nailed to a cross and them same hands whoop, that would be raised in victory. That same hand that would reach further down than you could reach up. Aren't you glad tonight? It's not in your hands. It's not in my hands. It's in the Father's hand. Whoo! You know what he literally does? He takes the little girl out of his hands and he puts her in the Savior's hand. For 12 years, she's been in his hands. For 12 years, he's rocked her in his hands. For 12 years, he's led her with his hands. For 12 years, she's been in daddy's hands. Oh, but today, daddy realizes his hands are not big enough. So he takes her out of daddy's hand and he puts her in the Savior's hand. Oh, can I tell you the greatest day in your life and in the life of somebody you're praying for is when you take them out of your hands and you put them in the Savior's hand. I'm glad it's not in my hand. It's not in your hand. It's in the Savior's hand. And the Bible said, and Jesus went with him. And much people followed him and thronged him. Brother Austin, you're the skinniest one. Come over here, Brother Austin. You're the skinniest one, so come over here, Brother Austin. I'm going to be Jairus, you be Jesus. Sorry, Jesus, that's the best we can do tonight. 
And he says, will you come and lay your hands on her? And the Bible said, and he went with him. I believe he said, hold on, baby. Daddy and Jesus is a coming. Hold on, baby. Daddy and Jesus is a coming. Then all of a sudden they're surrounded by this throng of people and they can't go anywhere. And I'm telling you, Jairus was a better man than me because I'd have got me a stick and I'd have said, get out of my way. Get out of my way. I got to him first. Get out of my way. I got to him first. Oh, but Jairus. You go like his point right here. In fact, somebody just made holler glory right here. Oh, Jarius, by this time, has so much faith, he can wait upon the Lord. Let me try it another way. By this time, he's got so much faith, he can watch God work miracles in everybody else's life and not get bitter. Because he knows his turn is a coming. He knows whoo, his turn is a coming. And while they're standing there, there's when that woman with that issue of blood presses through that crowd. That's what skinny people are made for. You can't drag a fat man around like that. <laughs> Sir, are you videoing this? Shame on you. Boy, they're just waiting. That's when that woman with that issue of blood pushes through that crowd and touches Jesus. And Jesus touches her. And I don't think she was a Baptist because the Bible said, mm, she felt it. <laughs> If she'd have been a Baptist, she'd have said, my God, I suppose something took place. She may have been a little holder on and said, hallelujah, I felt that, amen. She felt it. And Jesus felt it. Watch this, I'm closing. Jesus turned around to that crowd and said, hey, who touched me? And just like them disciples, what do you mean? All these hundreds and thousands of people you won't know, don't you? Well, how you know? Who touched me? That little woman raises her hand. She said it was me. And can I tell you why? Go ahead, sister, testify. Jesus, I've been sick for 12 years. And honey, when that woman said 12, I believe Jerry, I said, did she just say 12? Oh my, that's how old my little girl is. My little girl's 12. And if he can heal somebody that's been sick for 12, he can heal a little girl that's 12. Cause he got 12 apostles and 12 tribes and 12 gates and 12 wells. Evidently, 12 is no big deal. I mean to tell you, one's no big deal. 12's no big deal. One zillion is no big deal because you can't get a number bigger than the power of God. Now he's really happy. Let me be Jesus. (laughs) 
Jesus, Pastor Shakur, Jesus says something to that girl, to that woman. He only says three times in the Bible. He looked at that woman and said, daughter. He called her daughter. Let me be Jairus again. (laughs) Say daughter. Daughter. I believe when Jesus said, I believe when Jairus heard Jesus, what did did you just say? Daughter. I believe Jairus said, he's got one too. He knows what I'm going through. He sat where I sat, he's walked where I walk, he's wept where I wept, he's been where I've been. He's got one too. And you know, if he can heal his daughter, whoop, he can heal mine. If he loves his daughter, he loves mine. If he cared for his daughter, he loves mine. He must be in the daughter business. I got news for you tonight. He's in the daughter business, the son business, the daddy business, the mama business. He's in the people business. Go get God. Go get God. And God can do it. He gets in that house and Jesus runs everybody off except them three gospel trios and Jairus. Well, glory. And he walks over there to that little girl. How many believe you get more than you ask for? Well, Jairus said, just go touch her. Jesus did both. He spoke to her. Daughter, arise. And then he touched her by the hand and lifted her up. And your King James Bible said, and she began to walk. You stand there and be Jairus, and I'm gonna be the little girl, and I believe it happened something like this. walking. Praise God, Daddy, I can walk. They said I wouldn't walk. They said I wouldn't live. They said I wouldn't make it. They said I was doomed for the grave. Oh, but Daddy, you went and got Jesus, and Jesus came to our house. Look, Daddy, look, Daddy. Look what he did, Daddy. He did exceeding abundant above all that we ask or think. Closing now, and I know they're Baptist. I know they're Baptist here because the Bible said, and they gave her something to eat. (laughs) Pastor Shakur, God's people are the eatingest people you've ever seen in your life. The Bible's full of feasts. Every time God did something, they'd chat about it and they'd eat about it. Why, we're even gonna celebrate salvation at a feast called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb of God, celebrating the good things that God has done in our life. I gotta close. 
but I'm having fun. And if you're not, you're the biggest bunch of hypocrites I've ever preached to. I got a wild imagination. Let me use it. How would you love to have been in the house that night when they spread the table? And daddy goes to say that blessing. And before he does, that little girl said, Daddy, before you say the blessing, I got something I want to say. You're a good daddy. You've been good to me, Mom. You provided a home and food and shelter, and I thank you for it. But, Daddy, the best thing that you ever did for me is when you went over there and got Jesus, brought him to our house. Daddy, it's different since Jesus came to our house. Daddy, thank you for going and getting Jesus. And let me ask you this tonight in the closing moments of this service, who in your world, who in your family, who in your life do you love enough to go get Jesus for? Who do you love enough in your life to go get Jesus for? And can I tell you tonight, it is no secret what God can do. Because what he did for Jairus, he'll do for you. Somebody go get the Lord for America. Somebody go get the Lord for revival. Somebody go get revival for the next generation. Somebody go get God for souls. Let's stand together, Lord Jesus. We love you tonight. We thank you, Lord, for your mercy, your grace, your goodness, your long-suffering. Thank you for your word. And I pray, Lord, tonight there'll be a great host of people in this room that will realize, Lord, we can't, but you can. And help us to go get the Lord. Help us to bring our petitions to thee. You're going to go home with a bunch of people tonight. And you're going to work miracles and blessings in their life. Because by faith tonight, they touched you. And you touch them. And we'll thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen.